This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 370, recorded Thursday, March 29th. It's the 29th, 2018. It sure is the 29th. Thank you for joining us, everybody, on this fine morning. At least it's morning where we are, and I guess when we are. It's morning right now. (laughs) The setting is morning. (laughs) Correct. The setting is morning. A low fog rolls over the hills. (laughs) As Jason peers out the window, drinking his coffee in his dressing gown. Yes, my night shirt. <laughs> That's right. And night, what, the, the long hat, what hat. is it, night hat? Night cap, I think. Night cap, yeah, okay. I think of that as more of a drink, but whatever, well, in my cap. I, I, that's funny for you. I would think you would go to hat, not drink, being not much I of a drink. I do like hats. And you like hats. I do like hats. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we are here, of course, to do our listener feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, which was episode 13, I believe, of season eight. So we're going to get that into that momentarily. Very quickly, though, I would like to report that this episode had 6.77 million viewers. So up a tiny bit from the last week, which is uh, another slight upward trend here. See, that's good. That's good news. It is good news. You know, I mean, it's not really much of a change, to be honest, but it's uh, it's not a massive fluctuation down or up. It's sort of holding steady at 6.77. Yeah, that's good. Holding steady is good. The real news, though, is that the uh, Roseanne reboot from the other night. How many people do you think watched that? I I don't. I can't even. 18.2 million. Jesus Christ. (laughs) More than any episode ever. Of The Walking Dead. Now, did, did they get the full cast back? Well, I don't know. I didn't see it, but I know uh, most of them are back, yeah. <laughs> didn't Dan die? He did. I don't know how he's back. I think they've just decided to ignore that. And oh, smart. <laughs> it probably is, yeah. Anyways, 18 Oddly point- enough, I'm okay with that kind of thing in other TV shows. If they did that in The Walking Dead, I'd probably shit bricks. <laughs> but in other TV shows, just ignoring shit and moving on, I'm fine with. Right, why not? Who, who who the hell cares with other shows? That's right. 18.2 million for Roseanne, 6.77 million for season eight, episode 13, and uh, it's moving up. I think it's going to continue to increase towards the end of the season, just by little bits. Roseanne? No, Walking Dead. I don't, oh, yeah, I okay. don't care what Roseanne does after this. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I think we'll crack, we'll be closer to seven and a half, maybe, maybe eight. If we crack eight for the season finale, that would be exciting. If you're right, you should get a job in estimating viewership of uh, television shows. <laughs> do those jobs pay well? If they do, I'm all for it. Uh, I assume so. Consultant, television and media consultant? Yeah. It probably pays very, very well. All right. Hey, I'm all for it. We'll talk about that later. If anyone wants to offer me that job, just let me know. Guessing uh, numbers? No problem. <laughs> no problem for a, for a big salary. I'll guess a few numbers. Yeah. All right. Let's do the listener feedback. Listener feedback. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, This first one here is a call from listener Ben, and uh, here we go. Hey, it's Ben from New Jersey. As far as the tainted weapons, if all the weapons that are tainted with Walker blood 
infect and kill somebody if it's used, then why would Rick use the tainted axe to cut off that guy's arm? And I'm pretty sure Herschel's leg was cut off with a tainted weapon. All right. Thanks, Ben. So I can actually answer this question. Sweet. They didn't know. (laughs) And (laughs) in this episode, Rick cuts the guy's arm off before they realize that people are getting sick from the infected weapons. Right. It happens during the attack, basically. So they haven't had time to sit down and think about it. The guy gets bit. uh, Sadiq holds him down and Rick chops his arm off. Move on to the next zombie or whatever. Um, I don't know that um, maybe maybe Rick would still do that if he knew what exactly was going on here. But at that moment, I don't think he did. But in general, I agree. It's confusing and doesn't match up with what we've learned now. Yes, it is confusing. And I I just think uh, Rick should definitely not shave with that axe. (laughs) Yeah. Because if he cuts himself shaving, he's in trouble. Or at least clean it first. But like, don't shave any part of his body with that thing. No. Yeah, yeah, you know, spit on it and rub it on your shirt for a little while. It should be fine. That'll be fine, exactly. All right, thanks, Ben. So here comes another call from Idris. It's a little longer. Idris, I I, I edited your call down a bit. Hope you don't mind. Uh, But here we go. The other thing is it acknowledges something from the comic. So I don't think it's a spoiler. It's something that's from the comic that has happened on the show. And But I just wanted to point that out in case there are non-comic readers out there who might be a little sensitive if you are, skip ahead to the next email after Idris, maybe. Chris, Jason, what's up? It's Idris from Claremont. You're my two favorite Canadians beside uh, Deadpool and uh, Wolverine. But um, I want to talk about the tainted weapons uh, thing. There, I think the reason why it doesn't make any sense is because uh, um, I hate to, you know, heap on more crap on Scott Gimple, but Scott Gimple... He likes to take parts of the comics that he likes, and then, then he likes to do things of his own accord. I mean, not his own accord, but he likes to take liberties in the story or write original stuff when he wants to and just take the important parts from the comics. And I guess, you know, he didn't take, like, for instance, Frank Darabont's lead and where he, um, whenever they put the zombie guts on them in the season one, they covered themselves in trench coats, a hat, and gloves not to get the stuff in their face or their mouth or on their body. But, like, if you look at season three, there's a part where Michonne is uh, trying to escape the governor. She's uh, escaped, I think, Merle or whatever. She's trying to escape the governor alive. Got her leg wounded. I think it got cut or shot. And then she, in in the first, she, I know she was fighting the zombie, slices one of their stomachs over and just gets covered in guts, never gets sick. Like you guys said about uh, Sasha cutting the zombie with that knife. I mean, killing zombies with a knife, slashing Ava. Never got sick. And I... I don't know. I think they just got, I think the Walking Dead just got too into the whole blood and gore. And, 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 and there's times where characters have shot and killed zombies or smashed a zombie in the head and blood has got all in their face and stuff and to no consequence. But like I said, uh, Gimple likes to use parts of the comics. And that's one of the parts of the comics when Negan runs out of bullets and decides, well, we'll just take the fight to them. We'll use chemical warfare dip our weapons and projectiles and, and zombie guts and, and, uh, and shoot, you know, shoot the, 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 the uh, hilltop people and, and it'll probably make them sick and kill them. Because if I'm correct, he's not too sure about it in the comic, but he just decides to do it, I think, um, just like, you know, see what the hell happens. It, it, you know, uh, if they bite us, it kills us. So why, why wouldn't their blood or, or intestines, you know, their innards, 
uh, make us sick too. So I think that was the um, the idea he came up with or whatever. All right, thanks, Idris. So a couple things I wanted to address there. One is I think he makes a really good point that if you recall, when they started the whole stench coat thing back in season one, they did. They actually put on clothing under it and they coated the clothing in it. They didn't just yep. put it all over their tank tops or their faces and their bodies and stuff. So they were being more cautious at the time, it seems like. They should, because that's gross. Well, not it's it's gross, yes, but I think it also would help explain that maybe this has been the case all along, but they were just care, more careful to be, during the beginning, you know? Right. So they've gone through so much shit that they just don't care anymore. They're just like, fuck it, I'm going to spread crap on my face because fuck it. Well, kind of, but the, I mean, one of the reasons why I don't think this whole tainted weapons thing really works, uh, but people do, we do have more emails coming up on people explaining it or helping to understand. Uh, it, but one of the reasons I didn't think it works is because we've seen them come in such close contact with it so much. But if, if um, they had been taking the necessary precautions it's still risky, but I feel like it would make a little bit more sense. Anyways, that's yeah. what Idris was getting at there. Uh, and then in the comics, you know, something we didn't really acknowledge, partly because I don't like to spoil the comics or talk about them too much on here. And I know you haven't read this part of the comics, but this is lifted from the book. And Negan does launch an attack on uh, the community, I guess, the, I think. I feel like it was it was attacking Alexandria in the book, but anyways, he does launch an attack where he coats his weapons with uh, zombie stuff, and he tries to make people sick from it. So this is in the book, um, and I don't recall it making any more or less sense in the book, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, that's good. Yeah. So that's is what it is. Um, We'll see. We got more emails coming up about this very topic. All right. Including one from Ken, uh, King of the Nightmare World in Arkansas. Nighttime. Nighttime it, world. No, it's not. doesn't say nightmare. No. Oh, I'm having a long day already. <laughs> Ken writes, if getting gormiflage on you or in you can kill you or make you incredibly sick, remember when King Ezekiel folks uh, were giving the saviors food, including pigs that were fed a steady diet of zombies? How did the survivors uh, that ate that tainted meat not die how did the saviors that ate the me not die uh good question but uh how would you explain that digestive system well you I mean you grow uh plants in poop right when mm -hmm. you eat the plant you're not eating poop yeah very true so when you eat a pig i mean the pig did eat zombie guts but uh the pig is not made of zombie guts the pig is made of delicious delicious pork <laughs> yeah and and i mean the pig has digested it already once and probably expelled a lot of it. And then yeah, you're... as long as you're not eating raw pig intestines, which uh -huh. I don't recommend in any way, shape, or form, right? Uh, you should be fine. It's just I think it was more of a fuck you to the the, uh, the saviors than uh, than an, an actual danger. Sure. I mean, I got the feeling that they were doing it on purpose to try to make them sick. Which, on one hand, makes me think, okay, other people have tried this and it's not that big a deal, or. Uh, nobody really knows what the hell's going on, character-wise, right. I mean. And Ezekiel and all his people were like, let's try this, see what happens. Maybe yeah. maybe they'll all get sick and die and we won't have to give them our stuff anymore. I'm not sure that it was meant to make them sick. It's it's like a waiter peeing in your lobster bisque before serving it to you at a banquet. It's it's more of a, just a, you know, I'm 
thumbing my nose at you idiots, and now you're eating my pee. Because it's not going to necessarily make you sick because, you know, the human body could probably handle a, uh, it does handle a bit of pee content because food has pee in it. Okay, just so you know that uh, the actual quantity of pee is regulated by the food industry, but it doesn't have to be zero, just so you know. Yeah, no, I I get that. Uh, And pee, well, definitely a little bit gross is essentially harmless in small quantities. Exactly. So uh, I think I don't think it was necessarily meant to. The pigs weren't meant to make the savior sick. They were meant to just thumb their nose at them. Sure. Screw you. You're going to eat this stuff that's been fed on zombies. Sure. And it's certainly definitely disgusting. So uh, why not make them do that? Your comment about pee quantity not being zero made me think about something I read on Reddit recently, in which uh, Tic Tacs are listed as zero sugar. However, they're made almost entirely of sugar. But because of the size of them, they are allowed to be called zero sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy. Friggin' food industry. <laughs> uh, next up is Ruth in Paris. Ruth writes, the whole time we have been watching the show, we have had to suspend disbelief about the rules of how infection spreads. Bites cause you to get sick and turn. Death also leads to turning. Literally nothing else causes you to turn until this episode. Not smearing yourself in blood, not knife cuts with zombie blood, not even eating the infected leg of a character. Remember that? Again, come on. I was willing to forgive them uh, for the impossibility of those rules of infection, but I can't let them change them in the middle of season eight. Internal consistency. That's all I ask for. Yeah, and that's more or less my biggest problem with this, is that it doesn't feel consistent with the rules of the universe. But... I must admit, I'm starting to come around a little bit. Uh, Are you? Already in this, you know, from the feedback we've got and the feedback coming up. So I am definitely more okay with it now than I was three days ago. Well, that's good. It is good for me. All right. I love it when this happens. Next, we have a call from Paul, y'all. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Paul from Orlando, Florida. Um so this is about my ninth time trying to record this because they either take too long or my dogs start freaking out because they hear me talking to myself and they don't like it. Um, but anyway, I'll try to get through this in about two to three minutes. Uh, hopefully that won't be too long. Um, so I was thinking about the whole, you know, using the weapons dipped in Walker guts as biological weapons. Um, I had a thought. It kind of reminds me along the same lines as when I used degreaser at work. You know, if I'm cleaning a flat top or a fryer or something like that, I get a little bit of, uh, grease around me and it burns a little bit. I have a little bit of a reaction. It kind of itches. It's kind of uncomfortable. If you get it in a cut or a burn or something like that, it hurts like a son of a bitch just because of the caustic nature of said chemical. Now, if I were to actually ingest it like a dumbass um, or have like a serious wound and got degreaser in it, it would probably have an even more adverse reaction. It would actually cause you know the burns to get worse or it would cause me you know basically liquefy my insides or whatever the case may be. Now, I wonder if it's along the same lines with the walker guts, where, yes, we've seen them cover themselves in gormouflage a ton of times, but maybe that's just like getting degreaser on your skin. Like, there's not really a whole lot of reaction. It's not a big deal. If you get it in your system, you know, you can chop the limb off and it keeps it from spreading or something like that. Now, if you were to take a barbed wire-covered baseball bat or a knife or an arrow or something else that can actually penetrate deeper into the body, you cover that with the walker guts, maybe it does cause some kind of reaction. Um, it popped in my head because I was thinking about the very first episode of season seven when Negan takes Rick's axe and sanitizes it. Like he knew something was up. Now, 
he doesn't seem like the most clean kind of guy. So why would he do that unless he knew that that could be a, a situation? So it's kind of, you know, just my thought process is a little bit on your skin or you're wearing gormiflage, not a big deal. You get it in your system. Okay, chop off a limb. Yeah, that sucks, but you still live. You get something that totally screws up your insides, like a stab wound or a bullet or an arrow or something similar. It's actually going to be in your system. There's no way to get it out. Um, kind of along the same lines as, you know, Carl getting bit on the, on the stomach. Send him too long. There's no way to cut it out. So he's screwed. You know, just kind of my thought process. Uh, thanks for your time, guys. I'll listen to this episode. I'll probably listen to the next episode. I'll probably listen to the next episode. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks, Paul. I'm going to read our next email. It's a short one here uh, really quick as well from Tanya in Germany. Tanya writes, I have no problems with the gore weapons. I think it's a matter of how much gore went into the body. And maybe the bites are most critical because the saliva is highly ineffective. So it's a matter of degree of exposure where a little surface scratch or even a a slight cut might not be that big a deal. Whereas, you know, being penetrated through the stomach with a machete like Tobin was, and I guess some of the other people's injuries is a lot more of a problem. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would definitely agree uh, that, you know, it depends on the matter. uh, It depends on how, it gets into your body, right? If you think of just in terms of simple bleach, right? You pour bleach on your hand, you know, not really a big deal. You drink a cup of bleach, it's going to be uncomfortable for you and you should probably get rid of it. If you take bleach and then open up a chest wound and pour it into your into your cut open liver and then sew everything back up all nice, nice, that's not good. I mean, your liver can deal with a lot of shit, but damn it, bleach? Shit, I hope so. <laughs> so yeah degreaser is a really good example uh i think it's a matter of degrees uh i'm starting to come around to with uh with maybe the idea of uh degrees even though we do have some inconsistency even with the level of degrees like with uh, knives going into zombies and then into people and not causing issue but maybe those buggers got lucky right? well that, that's the thing yeah and and i can live with uh with a degree of the injury so it's I'm starting to come around a little bit, too, and um, it's it's making more sense. I mean, not complete sense to me, but it is making a little bit more sense now. Yeah. What makes me sad about this is that I agree with you that it's starting to make a little more sense. But uh, the sad part is you can take an incredibly shitty idea and if you live with it long enough, you can probably justify it to yourself. Oh, yeah. That shouldn't be a surprise, though. I mean, people do that to themselves all the time. Yeah, but it's a little sad. Yeah, it's a little sad. It's the same, it's the exact same theory I have about radio songs. Uh, Songs on the radio, some of them can be really shitty, but if you hear it enough, you start to like it. Yeah. And then after a while, it becomes a classic, even though when you first heard the song, you're, you're thinking, man, that's a shitty song. I remember some shitty songs in the eighties that now come on the radio and I'm like, yeah, all right. Totally. And I think, (laughs) I think that's really because you're, after a while, your brain confuses familiarity with quality. Yes, absolutely. You know, I've, I used to work in the music industry and there were times where I had to listen to the same music over and over and over again. And I didn't like it to start with, but I kind of liked it to end with (laughs) yeah, or to finish with. So, yeah. And you know, it's very much like our friendship. 
but I won't say anymore. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's move on. Not get into that. <laughs> All right, next we have an email from Gemma in South Wales, UK. I've been thinking about the mutation of the zombie virus. In season four, we saw walkers with red eyes that start off the zombie flu, which killed a great many people, but can, uh, can be cured with antibiotics when given to Glenn and Sasha. I believe this virus was spread through the germs and contact with the walkers at the fences who had the red eyes. I'm no biologist, but I, but don't viruses mutate and change over time? Father Gabriel ingested walker guts into his digestive system and he became very sick, but the antibiotics seemed to help bring down his fever, although his sight is damaged. When the saviors cover their weapons in zombie gore and penetrate hilltop victims, the blade goes into organs and blood contaminating it as if they've been bitten. Also, I think these walkers are quite old now, three to four years into the apocalypse, so the zombie virus could mutate and change and become extremely poisonous. I don't see this as being out of the realm of possibility. The writers couldn't make Carl immune, as changing the rule of when you have been bitten, you die, is something you can't change, but walker guts infections seem uh, a likely possibility. Yeah, so this is something also that I hadn't really thought of, but a number of people have pointed out that maybe whatever this virus is, is changing or mutating over time, and now it's more dangerous than it used to be. Yeah. I think, you know what's, I'm still thinking about the, uh, uh, getting used to the idea of this, uh, you know, this zombie, this infected weapons causing damage now and they didn't before. Uh, you know, in reality, 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 as in our, your reality, my reality, and pretty much everybody else's reality. Like where we are uh, right now. Yeah, where we are right now. Uh-huh. The rules of the universe don't seem consistent either, like the actual universe. Sure. Shit, okay. shit like this happens. Viruses mutate, and it's frustrating, and you never get the same cold twice, but yet here I am with another cold. Uh, it's frustrating because... I feel like I've had this cold before, but I can tell you definitively I have not because that cold virus mutates all the fucking time and it keeps coming back. Uh, so, yeah, the universe is screwed up, so why not a TV show universe? I guess things don't always make sense. They don't have to and they certainly absolutely don't in real life. So it, it can. There's, there's more factors involved maybe than uh, I was considering begin with a few days ago and change in the virus mutation is one of those factors that I had, had not occurred to me. Yeah. But they can't explain that in the universe and in, sorry, in the walking dead either. They can't just go and say, Oh, the virus is mutating because how, who the hell are they to say that? Right. They got to find another, uh, CDC with, uh, what's his name? Noah something. Uh, to explain the virus to them again, that the virus has mutated from the original meningitis type strain. It's now something completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can't do that because it would be annoying and we'd probably beat them up for it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They can't really bring this up in show, you know, unless somehow they find, like you said, somebody who can actually study it. But I don't think that's going to happen. Doctors only last half an episode these days. So <laughs> yeah. there's really nobody around to do that. Um, and, and you're right. I, I don't, I wouldn't even want them to, right. That would in a way be over explaining. I would rather they just stick to the rules, but maybe this is now one of the rules. I, I guess they can't, I mean, I guess there's no reason they can't introduce new rules as the show goes on or new concepts or ideas or, you know, things just change. Like you said, and the, the universe is inconsistent. 
Well, the universe is consistent, but our perception of what it actually is is evolving. Uh, all right, fair enough. Right? Things yeah. don't all aren't always what they seem. <laughs> yeah, in a way. But yeah, we really have no idea what reality is. I mean, we're all probably just a uh, a two D uh, manifestation projected into a three D. Something or other. Something or other, sure. I, I think the universe is, I think there's a theory out there that the universe is, is two-dimensional and that we only perceive it as three-dimensional. Doesn't Elon Musk believe everybody's in a simulation? Think, yeah, that might very well be true, too. Yeah, so there's all kinds of things that could be going weird and we don't know it. Yeah. All right, next up is Ishmael in South Florida. He writes, hey guys, I know the writers effed up the whole infected weapon story, but what if they address the problem in uncut? in upcoming episodes and we find out the reason it is different now is due to the chemicals that they have been teasing over the past season. That's why Negan asks Gabriel if any of his people have gotten sick because of the guts suit. And Gabriel tells him that he's from Atlanta. Maybe the walkers in DC are not only infected with the zombie gene, but also infected with some form of hazardous chemical, which is the cause of this new change in the rules. Right, so it's not just time-based, it's location-based as well. It's location-based, yeah. So maybe that's a thing up here, but not down south in Atlanta. Yeah. And From and, what I understand, in Asia, they don't have uh, salmonella. Oh, yeah? We have salmonella. I remember uh, when I was in Singapore, I bought eggs off the shelf in a grocery store. I'm like, why the hell are these eggs on the shelf? Because it doesn't matter. You, When you say off the shelf, you mean not refrigerated? Not refrigerated, one of the middle aisles of the grocery store on a shelf was where the eggs are. Because I buy eggs off the shelf too, but I just feel like they're refrigerated. You just mean not refrigerated. Okay. There's no refrigerator. They were right next to the coffee and uh, sugar and other confectionery items. Okay. Uh, there was not in a refrigerated section of the grocery store. All right, cool. Well, that's interesting. I mean, how that's, I didn't know that. That's weird. So, and then when I was in uh, when I was in Shanghai, we had steamed chicken, uh-huh. which looks like raw chicken and tastes like raw chicken. Whoa! But it's not raw chicken; it's steamed. I I, I will try. <laughs> and I was really worried about getting salmonella, and then they said no, no, it doesn't exist here. I would I will try a lot of things, but if something looks and like feels like raw chicken, I'm gonna be hard pressed to eat that. Oh, I told you about that guy. Uh, that clown that I worked with that I really hated. I don't know if it was on the air or not, but uh, it was him talking to our translator saying, I want real, I want to go someplace for real Chinese food, not like the, the Chinese food that we get in America, but like an actual Chinese, Chinese restaurant uh, uh-huh. where it's not Americanized or Westernized in any shape or form. So we went to this place and had steamed chicken cut up into cubes and we ate it with chopsticks and it was really gross in my opinion. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. So it didn't taste good. No, it tasted like raw chicken. I don't know if you've ever eaten raw chicken, but it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I have not, and I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, The Walking Dead. Uh, Spencer in Scotland writes... Wait, wait, wait. Read it. Read that again. Oh, Spender in Scotland. Man, I got to clean my glasses or drink more coffee or wake up or stop being so angry. One of those things. I'm having a bad day. All right. Spender in Scotland writes... I had to pause your podcast to share my thoughts on Carol saying he wasn't bit. At that point, she, simp- uh, she is simply saying that he was the source of the outbreak. From there, they d- deduced the cause of death fairly quickly, confirmed by the bloke in the bed. Yeah, the guy in the bed that, um, uh, what's her name, was, was looking after. Birdie. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I still don't get that line from Carol, uh, and I wish it wasn't there. I, I just feel like her referring to um, Tobin as turning after not being bit is weird. And the one thing that I think could have made this all okay or a little bit better is if she had not come off as if the if if it had not come off like Carol doesn't understand that what's going on because saying he wasn't bit but he turned makes me think she has no idea that everybody turns anyways and that is one thing that I think everybody has to know at least in Rick's group if there's another group that hasn't figured that out fine I I can even live with that maybe Negan's group of saviors doesn't realize that but right. Carol should know this so maybe she just misspoke in the moment maybe she forgot I don't know but uh but I I just don't think that line makes sense even if we can make sense of the way everything else has been working so yeah I would feel better if the line wasn't there well we've all said things that are patently obvious and that everybody in the room knows but something in our brain insists that we say it anyway yeah no I guess so but when you have a group of people writing your dialogue for you and have time to think about it and the implications of it and it's not just something you blurt out in the moment like an idiot i would feel like they could get it right at least more right than this right so and yeah there's a a writing adage that if you tell the audience something they already know you've failed as a writer see and not only are we supposed to know this but the characters are supposed to know it too it's a real world and a story thing that didn't seem to work here But whatever, let's move on to Gina in Illinois. Gina writes, to me, the virus spreading via infected weapons makes enough sense. I think the idea is that the zombie virus is bloodborne, similar to HIV. As a healthcare provider, the only time you really need to worry about getting HIV from a patient is if you get blood in your eye or from getting the patient's blood in an open wound. Something like a needle stick or a flesh wound, one might say, is not much of a risk unless it gets all the way into the bloodstream. Even using an infected needle intravenously from a person with HIV won't necessarily spread the virus. That being said, I can't think of any time someone on the show had a severe wound caused by an infected weapon who survived. Tobin et al., on the other hand, all had deep penetrating wounds from the weapons. Tobin had a giant gash, meaning the infection probably went right into the peritoneal cavity and spread quickly. He turned faster than Carl, for example, because Carl's bite was deep enough to get into the blood and caused a fever, but he didn't have a large amount of infected zombie blood mixing with his own. And uh, a regular contributor, Dr. Chris MD in Toronto, sent in a very similar email to uh, Gina's just about how it's actually kind of difficult to get HM- HMV, <laughs> HIV from uh, even from using the same needle as someone else yeah. who has. So it's not that easy to get infected by something. And maybe until now, it just hasn't been that easy to get infected by minor scrapes and scratches even with you know infected weapons like abraham yeah well i mean it doesn't hurt that uh, everybody's already infected right uh yes the idea that's true everyone already has it so i'm just saying like the severity of the wound again which we sort of talked about already seems to come into play here quite a bit yeah okay next we have another email from nick in new jersey did i read that right 
You got that one. No, I got that one's right. Okay, good. Nick writes, just wanted to say that regarding the inconsistency about tainted weapons, the vast majority of the viewers, such as my wife who watches every episode with me, has no idea about those occasions in the past episodes when tainted weapons caused no infection. You guys know mostly because you have crowdsourced the issue, but most viewers really don't remember a specific moment from season six, episode whatever. That is why the showrunners have no qualms about this problem. Only the hardcore will ever notice it, and they are a tiny fraction of the overall audience. Does that make it okay, though, to just disregard what you've done in the past? Well, I think Nick's point is uh, it depends on your perspective. For us, it absolutely does not make it okay. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. But for your average viewer who uh, doesn't remember or tends not to give a shit, just wants to be entertained, uh, maybe it's okay. Yeah, maybe it is okay, and I can I can deal with that because yeah, like we were talking about with uh, with Roseanne about bringing back characters that have uh, previously died in uh, in seasons. Uh, as far as that show goes, I don't care because I'm not a hardcore Roseanne fan. I don't do a podcast about Roseanne. I don't follow podcasts about Roseanne. Are there podcasts about Roseanne? There probably is. I don't know. There can't, can't not be. But it's I want the internet. I want to talk to you about a new podcast idea I have. <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't do it. No. I can't do Roseanne. I couldn't. I'd do go it. back and do other stuff. Like uh, uh, I'm not sure about Roseanne though. A Cheers rewatch. Oh yeah, I'd do Cheers. Okay, shit, that'd be great. That'd be fun. I want to watch Cheers again. The, my favorite joke of all times is a Cheers joke. Like my absolute favorite joke of all times. It's pretty good. I'm a TV joke or just like ever in the world. Just ever in the world. Wow. When uh, when Fraser said uh, something about that's a Freudian slip, and then Norm said, "What's a Freudian slip?" And then, uh, uh, what's his name? Cliff. John Ratzenberger. Cliff. Cliff says, uh, a Freudian slip is when you say one thing and mean your mother. <laughs> That's a really good joke. <laughs> it is a really good joke because it's all packed into Cliff's character, right? Because of his racial relationship with his mom and his knowing of everything and then making the slip. It's just, it's perfect. It's the most beautiful joke ever written. It might actually be. It's all, it, and it's also a play on words. Like it is. It's, there's so many levels to it. It's it's yeah. It's beautiful. All right. Anyway, cheers. I do cheers for sure. Okay. Cool. Um. We'll we'll talk about that later. Next up, okay. we have an email from Lumen in Brazil, and you know Lumen's email was one of the longest emails we have ever received. So just for fun, I threw the whole thing into an online word counter, and it came to two thousand six hundred eighty-two words. Wow, that's an essay. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, and, you know, Lumen writes a lot about getting the walker guts in an open wound and so on. But I took this excerpt and here it goes. Let's think about this realistically for a second. If we were to follow this rule to the letter, these characters who get hurt all the time and fight with walkers all the time would be dropping like flies. So it just wouldn't be feasible or interesting to the story if everyone was dying left and right from the same thing. Don't you think? I mean, how lame would it be? If Rick died because he hurt his hand fighting that Winslow walker, then got his hand dirty fighting another walker. Just as lame as if he'd gotten a tetanus infection from hurting his hand on that metal helmet. It would be lame. It would be silly. It'd be ridiculous. In real life, sure, that probably would happen, but no one wants to watch that on TV. So no, it's not a plot hole. It's called suspension of disbelief. I mean, the whole point of watching TV is to escape reality, so in a show where dead people are strolling around like the boogeyman trying to eat you for dinner, why is everyone so concerned that no one has ever died from a walker blood-infected cut? 
It hasn't happened before because it just isn't interesting. And if they opened that door, it would have to have they would have to have that happen all the time. Can you even imagine that? So come on, people, let's not get picky. It's a TV show. Let it go. I agree on one level. On the other level, we are, you know, <laughs> listening to and creating a podcast on the show. Yeah, on the on one level, totally agree, and on the other, we just can't. And this specific podcast, do we let things go? Oh no, o- only by accident, <laughs> right? Only because we just forget or yeah. get so tired of talking about something. No, maybe we just think of it in terms of saving throws. Like they, uh, they all have, everybody that's survived so far has a high constitution and that uh, every once in a while they have to make a save versus infection. And most of the time they make it, but sometimes the circumstances, you know, there's a modifier in there. Like you get a chest in your, or an ax in your chest for whatever reason. And that modifies the, uh, uh, the saving throw and every once in a while it fails, but our intrepid heroes have such high constitutions that uh, it rarely happens. Rarely. We just haven't seen it yet until right now. Yeah. I mean, some of those walkers might be walking around, uh, never been bitten by anybody whatsoever. They just got the virus and they sat down and died because their constitution was like four or something. Right. Uh, yeah, it could could be any of these things. But Lumen, happy, you know, I take your point that uh, it's a TV show and we'll be fine and we'll move on and we'll continue to talk about it. And this will probably go away at least starting with season nine and we won't need to worry about it again. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. Like we said last, uh, last episode, maybe we just acknowledge it and move on. There you go. All right. Next we have a call from Ursula. Another long one. People love leaving long uh, messages these days. So here we go. Hey guys. Um, I am a new subscriber and um, your first podcast that I listened to inspired me to talk about this episode do not send us astray now i was late to the game watching the walking dead only because i am a big scaredy cat (laughs) upon further um you know recommendations from friends i've become a very diehard fan love the show probably started watching it about season i think just the beginning of season three um anyway um this last episode I am questioning all the fails and I looked on Instagram, Twitter, and pretty much everybody is on the same page with this. This episode was so ludicrous. It was ridiculous from coming from last week with what I thought was a great episode other than Negan still being alive and Rick being a cop and still can't shoot him. This episode was just I know it's a a show, but this was ridiculous. So you have a major, major fight. You've been waiting for this fight this whole time. And you succeed, but you have nobody to watch the Savior's Cage. You have nobody, what appears to nobody making a watch of anything. You have people that are sick and you're not watching them. You have everybody that survived come stay in the house but you leave the door open. That was a big thing. You just leave the door open. Let's leave the door open. Everybody's in the dark and nobody's watching. No lookouts. And this kid, how does he get a gun? How did, why did he, oh my gosh, this one, honestly, I could go on and on and I'm trying not to, I'm trying to get my thoughts together here. So I don't sound like I'm rambling, but it, it, it 
it just wasn't believable. It wasn't believable. And then all of a sudden, after all this happens, Rick, oh, well, Negan's bat had some blood on it. It was Walker guts. Like you just came to that, right? Just like that, right? Oh my, it, it just was, this one was bad. And I'm really hoping the next few episodes will redeem this one. This was awful. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to give it to you guys. But the fact that it was so dark too, that you couldn't see anything. I'm holding the laptop to my eyes as as close as I can because I couldn't see anything. I didn't see Dwight shoot Tara. I knew at the end after comments that he shot Tara. I couldn't see anything. And like Simon's like, yeah, man, I can't see a thing. I was like, same, bro, same. Anyway, I hope this all makes sense. And hopefully I'll um, make a better uh, message next time. And I'll kind of do some little one to 10 I liked or didn't like. Anyways, you guys were great. And I'm looking forward to hearing more from you guys. And uh, go Walking Dead. I hope they can redeem themselves after this. Thanks. All right, thank you, Ursula. So, uh, really, uh, I don't think she liked it. Yeah, I got that impression. And and I think this deserves one of these. Bullshit! I'm pretty sure that's how she feels about this episode in general. Um, yeah. Although I don't agree with the darkness thing. I think they did a better job than usual of shooting at night and making it visible. Yeah, I yeah, I kind of agree. Generally, I find it very dark, but this particular episode, I think we even mentioned this, was... Uh, was not as bad for me. The version that I got from iTunes was better than uh, what I would have expected from this level of darkness. Yeah, maybe she just needs to turn the brightness up on her laptop that she was watching on. I don't know. It could be a maybe. number of things. It could be, uh, you know, an older screen. It could be uh, the type of screen. I know uh, LCD is not as good as LED <laughs> as far as uh, the black. And uh, if you have plasma, I guess you d nobody has plasma anymore, but uh, that does blacks very well. You know, and, and maybe she was watching outdoors in bright sunlight, so there was a lot of glare, you know. Uh, yeah, maybe she had her eyes closed. <laughs> Who knows what's really going on here, right? <laughs> so try to keep your eyes open while you're watching. <laughs> I watched this whole episode with my eyes closed, and I didn't see a goddamn thing. What the hell's the matter with them? <laughs> sorry, Ursula. We're not trying to make fun of you. you. You do make a lot of good points, and I'm sorry you didn't like the episode so much. Uh, some of the little things like leaving the door open and having nobody on watch does seem a bit ridiculous, but I sort of feel like, well, there must be people on watch, right? Like there's always people on the wall watching, even if we don't see them. Uh, right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. Maybe so. And, and having a, a young, uh, you know, teenager, preteen getting a hold of a weapon that isn't properly stored. Oh yeah. That's realistic. And very frustrating. I mean, police your weapons, people. Uh, absolutely. You know, don't just leave weapons like that lying around against grandfather clocks or whatever that thing was. It's yeah. not smart. Yeah. Put it, uh, yeah. Anyway. Put it away. It, it is a war zone and there's combat going on. So there's going to be some shit lying around other than dead bodies. There's going to be there's dead bodies previously to being dead, probably had a weapon of some kind. Yeah. Uh, and they'll probably be lying down. And they don't have people walking around going, oh, shit, there's a knife there. I should pick that up so, so some kid doesn't accidentally step on it. You know, it's 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 a combat situation. There's going to be some messed up shit. You so. need battlefield cleanup people. You need to have them hanging around. Yeah, after the battle. I, guess I mean, so. maybe, that's what, maybe that's what he was doing, was walking around. Uh, somebody told him to, you know, collect the guns that were lying around so that nobody would get a hold of them. And then and put his first thought was, yeah, dude, totally. But then put them in a pile over here. Don't take them and threaten people. 
Oh, well, he made some bad bad calls there, I think. I think so, maybe. All right, who's next? Me? Yep. All right, this comes from uh, Robin in London, the UK one, not the alcohol-themed amusement park just over the river from Detroit. Now, I just want to address that really quickly because <laughs> if— Just the Detroit part. Well, if Robin is referring <laughs> to London, Ontario, that's like three hours across the border by car from yeah, Detroit— I think Robin might be thinking of Windsor, Ontario, which is, in fact, right across the river from Detroit. And yep. I, you know, I, I I love Windsor, but alcohol-themed amusement park? Could be. <laughs> well, I, she might be talking about London. I mean, my wife went to uh, to Western in London. That's where she went to university. And alcohol-fueled theme park. Seems kind of normal. Yeah. My 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 the best man at my wedding went to uh, to Western. He doesn't drink, but uh, a lot of his friends did. And yeah, I'm not disagreeing with the alcohol themed amusement park idea. I'm just disagreeing with the geography part. That's what I'm disagreeing with too. Uh, you know, it's- well, I don't know about Windsor. You were talking about Windsor. I don't know if Windsor is an alcohol fueled theme park. I've only been to Windsor like once or twice. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it could apply, and it is in fact right across the river from Detroit. Uh, so I I don't know. Anyways, um, I think Robin is from, well, Robin's from the UK, London and, uh, yeah, the correct London, not that Ontario bullshit one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Robin had this to say in a world where one person dying during the night basically means everyone dying a few minutes later. Don't you think you'd take a couple of precautions? First up, maybe you wouldn't have everyone sleeping in one giant pile, like an especially unwashed 1960s sex orgy. Yeah. Like I said, I've been to that party. You sure have. Maybe you'd space them out so that the shit doesn't hit the fan in record speed. Secondly, maybe you'd have someone, I don't know, keep watch every night just in case this happens. Because even without gore-tipped melee weapons, you've got to assume stress-related heart attacks are going to be through the roof in the zombie apocalypse. I mean, I have about seven smoke alarms in my tiny apartment just in case a fire spontaneously breaks out while everyone's sleeping. But a zombie fire? I'd definitely check the batteries more often. So smart. Same, same idea. Put people on watch. Don't put them all in one giant sex orgy pile to sleep. And you I might don't know. Be it's warmer off. that way. Sure, but then everybody as as- all piled together. You noticed that there was a whole section of the main floor that was unoccupied, right? And that's because people wanted to share the body heat. I, I assume so. Uh, they just kind of clumped together. Well, uh, yeah. It was a crappy orgy, though. They were all a sleeping and b clothed. <laughs> it's like sh- the worst kind of orgy. And shortly after, dead. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 three that's three reasons why that's the worst OG ever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. All right, next we have Michaela in Maine. Michaela, I'm thinking Michaela. Michaela, okay, sure, why not? Uh, am I the only person who was annoyed when no one woke up after the bad leg zombie fell down the stairs? Maybe I'm a light sleeper, but I found this a little hard to believe. I'm pretty sure there was a ba- uh, uh, there was a baby crying in the background too. Forget it. I would have been wide awake. Yeah, nobody woke up, but I can sleep through a lot. So maybe we just had a lot of heavy sleepers on our hands here. I'm a heavy sleeper. You could probably beat me with a spoon and I'd still stay asleep. Yeah, absolutely. The um, big spoon, not like the little spoon, like a big, big wooden spoon. Right. Of course. The beating kind of spoon. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. The beating spoon, not not like a little (laughs) teaspoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, the loudest thing that has ever that I've ever heard uh, didn't immediately wake me up. I was sleeping during it. There was a propane tank, a propane company explosion. Oh, yeah. Five or six kilometers from my house. 
a, number, a bunch of years ago in the middle of the night. And it, there were subsequent mini explosions after that. But the initial explosion, um, I sort of heard in my sleep, but it wasn't enough to like get me up until yeah, the your, second. Your sleeping brain went, eh, that's not really of immediate concern. No, and I didn't wake up right away. And then there was another big explosion, and then I started to come too. Uh, that was sleeping a- brain went. Uh, you know what? Maybe this shit needs to be paid attention to. Maybe it does. And but all I'm saying is, like, you know, a massive explosion not that far away, uh, which made a sound like a plane crashing. Um, I didn't wake up from it. So a guy falling down the stairs. I'm not sure I would wake up unless he landed right on me. And even then, who knows? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty attuned to babies crying now, so I wake up when uh, when Jasper cries in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's but, a parent uh, thing, though. It's different. Yeah, I know it's a parent thing, but if there was a baby crying in uh, in this place, I wouldn't have been able to sleep, I don't think. No, and there was a baby crying, so you would have been up, and I think what they were saying in the show is the baby crying is what attracted uh, ZT to that right. group of people, uh, Tobin right. Walker. Because babies are delicious to zombies. Well, babies, kids. Adults, yeah. they're all pretty tasty, I think. But somebody falling down the stairs, I'm not sure I would have woken up from that. Most likely my brain would have went stupid cats and just stayed asleep. Yeah, exactly. So it <laughs> depends on the, the person and depends on the nature of the sound, I think, the noise. Yeah. yeah. All right, Michael in London writes, I love the way the Hilltop residents turned and thought it was very well executed. But the fact that all our heroes once again got away scot-free was frustrating. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to see any of the group die. But it's getting silly now. I felt no threat or excitement in this one. Yeah, you don't have consequences. You got to have consequences. So good scene, but uh, kind of of ridiculous. Yeah. All right, next we have a call from Pete. G'day, Chris and Jace. Uh, Pete from Sunshine Coast Australia. Just about last night's episode. A fucking tripod on a fucking motorbike. What the fuck? That's all. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is... That was awesome. I think it was awesome, too. I get the feeling Pete doesn't agree, but I thought it was fun. That was one of my favorite bits. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we should... We need empirical evidence here. Somebody needs to do this and see if it works. Well, um, yeah. There's probably a YouTube video out there. There's a YouTube video for everything, right? There is, so, and we had people uh, shoot baseball bats. Like, actually yeah. shoot guns at baseball bats for us to see what would happen when that happened on the show. Um, so, somebody, I mean, I don't know if I should put it out there, but go mount well, your machine gun. As long as it's on the center line of the motorcycle, the recoil is not going to be so bad. If it's off to the side, it's going to throw your steering way off. But as long as it's, you know, properly mounted in the center line of the uh, uh, the steering column, then uh, it should be fine. It's even got the, the, the motorbike even, even has shocks. So that should help absorb some of the recoil as well. I think it's a fantastic idea. It may be a fantastic idea, but I do not recommend anyone mounts some gun on their motorcycle and rides it around while shooting, period. It's a better idea than the Terminator having a sh- sawed-off shotgun that flips it around to, to reload it. But that looks cool, too. Yes, it does, but it's totally impractical. I mean, if he wasn't a robot, it totally wouldn't work. So, you know, is uh, Daryl a robot? I don't think he's a robot. But I think this this works for me. I'm I'm on board with this. Okay, probably not a robot, um, Daryl. I mean, we and- don't know yet. I mean, it could happen. He could be a Terminator from the future, <laughs> yeah, just a very well disguised one. I suppose he could be. And anyone who can ride a motorcycle and shoot a gun like that got to have some robot bit to yeah. him. Who's he after? 
Well, that we don't know. Maybe Skynet has started the whole zombie apocalypse to get to John McClane. <laughs> I think I might be mixing movies down. Or maybe adding a few, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's what's happening now? Paul is happening oh, now. Oh, Paul in England. Paul writes, if you recall, when the Hilltop prisoners were captured at the satellite station, Morgan wanted to clear and leave no one alive. He had a similar philosophy, if you can call a murderous rage a philosophy, at the kingdom, where Gavin was supposed to uh, be the last person left alive there for him to kill. But Henry executed him first by, you know, poking him with a stick. So my best guess as to why Morgan kept seeing Ghost Gavin is that Ghost Gavin was there to remind him that he is supposed to clear, and yet those hilltop prisoners are still breathing. I believe what we see in this episode was uh, his internal struggle against that side of him that wants to just flip out and poke all of them with his stick. Though, if that's the case, then they didn't do a particularly good job of telling us that. Yeah, I, I agree with that last statement that doesn't matter what is going on. They didn't give us enough information. They might in the future, but as of right now, they they didn't tell us what's going on. No, and I... I fully agree with that too and i do believe we will get much more information about it i mean you know everybody knows right that morgan is leaving this show to move over to fear the walking dead so they're just building up the his motivations for doing that and i'm sure this somehow plays into it so we're yeah. gonna see it yeah next we have a uh, on a similar topic we have dan from north jersey ghost gavin was telling morgan that he morgan knew that he should have killed Gavin and that it was his uh, wishy-washiness that gave time for Henry to show up and kill Gavin. In other words, Morgan is blaming himself for Henry becoming a killer. Yeah, so very similar, but uh, Morgan's not so much struggling, according to Dan, with not actually killing everybody, but struggling with what it's done to little Henry. Yeah. Which is perfectly valid too, and maybe that'll come out as well and uh, be part of his reason for moving on. All right, Perry in Oregon writes, After the battle at the graveyard, Diane compliments Maggie on her leadership for saving everyone and for saving the gate. They open the gate to let Daryl in and make the saviors think they were gaining the advantage. The only thing Simon had that resembled a plan was to ram the gate to get inside. After the spike strips immobilized their truck, he said he was looking forward to giving the gate a wet, sloppy kiss or something to that effect. Maggie's plan caught the saviors in a trap while keeping the hilltop secure from walkers and saviors, saviors alike. So this is fantastic, Perry. I think this is a this is just amazing to point this out. I didn't really pick up on that save the gate thing, but Maggie managed to repel the attack and not have the saviors smash down the gate, which would obviously be a big problem because you need your gates. Yeah, very good plan. Maggie's the best. Maggie's totally the best. So uh, thanks for pointing that out, Perry. I really appreciate that one. I hope that helps uh, some other people figure that out as well. Right. Next we have Andy enjoying life, af life after the beast from the east, UK. What? What is that? I don't know what that means either, but as you know, we will say more or less whatever anyone writes in terms of where they're from. Yeah. Okay. Well, I assume uh, he's referring to me. Andy writes, I found it interesting that even though Rick and Michonne were there at the hilltop, this was undoubtedly Maggie's fight, and she didn't look to Rick for anything at all. 
showing what a fantastic leader she is of her own community now and just how respected she is by her own people and by Rick, as I don't think Rick would uh, take a subservient role to anyone else. What a badass she is. I definitely feel at this stage uh, that the show is uh, the show really can't afford to lose Maggie as a character. I fear if they do, it will be the final nail in the coffin. So I hope all the recent rumors of the actress's future are greatly exaggerated. I don't give a flying sandwich what it costs. Pay that woman what she clearly is worth, damn it. 100% agree. Flying sandwiches aside, uh, I don't want Lauren Cohen to leave the show. She's one of my favorite people to watch on it right now. And we don't get enough of her. um, But this last episode was fantastic for Maggie and for Lauren Cohen. And uh, I don't want her to leave. Yeah. You know, if you have to make her a bunch of flying sandwiches, that's fine. (laughs) Totally. If that's what she wants. Give it to her. Yeah. Uh, but she probably wants to get paid well, and I say give that to her too, just yes. uh, like Andy. Money sandwiches, of course. Money sandwiches. Uh, all right, Jill in Chicago, um, I think anyways, she had a website there on the bottom of her email, which I went to, and she appears to be in Chicago. Anyways, Jill writes, I need to talk about Rick not honking the horn. So this goes back to the previous episode. Yeah. You debated what time was lost and came up with 30 minutes, which is really not correct. No time was lost for the hilltop, or if anything, only a few minutes. When Rick didn't honk the horn, he followed and almost immediately T-boned Negan's car, stopping the caravan in their tracks. This must have happened before they hit the next checkpoint, or we would have heard the next honk. Everyone stayed put while Simon and Dwight went to check on Negan. No continued forward motion occurred until after Simon returned and did his I'm a much scarier Negan than Negan speech. The only people who lost time were the saviors who had to hang out and deal with the situation. Oh, sure. Use logic and reason. (laughs) This is what I was trying to say on Monday, though, is that as far as the hilltop was concerned, nothing was any different. They just didn't get the horns as soon as they should have. But it didn't matter because the saviors were hanging around waiting for Simon to do his thing. Um, So as far as they're concerned, the saviors arrived when they arrived. So Jill obviously put it uh, more eloquently than you, because I understand Jill's point. I didn't get yours. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris, but yeah, you're absolutely correct. They did stop in that stupid clump uh, where they were vulnerable to anything that happened anywhere around them uh-huh. uh, and waited for uh, <laughs> it waited for a while. And nothing did happen, which was nice for them. Yep. Uh, but you're right. No time was lost. Uh, so Rick uh, f- fucked up his post, but didn't cause any lasting damage. Exactly. Because yeah. <clears throat> once they did get on the road again, the horns started blaring and Hilltop was warned. Right. As so they wanted to be. Rick got lucky in his unluckiness in uh, uh, delegation of duty? No, dereliction of duty. There you go. And and if if he if he hadn't caught them in time and then the other horns started blaring... That would have been a problem because then Hilltop would have been warned that the saviors were coming and then they don't show up. So, or at least not right away. And that would have been a problem, I think. But Rick got lucky, like you said, and didn't really screw anything up. Also didn't manage to kill Negan. So was their plan, was uh, uh, Simon's plan to get there at night? Or was that a fuck up because they stopped to wait to see what happened with Negan? Good question. So, 
you know, was because obviously night was an advantage for the hilltop in this case because uh, they didn't see the spikes in the road. Uh, they were sneaking around at night and uh, got their asses hand, handed to them, uh, even though their plan ultimately succeeded. Uh, maybe they uh, waited for night anyway. Maybe they were planning to get there and then wait for night, but uh, we don't know, I guess. You know, we don't know. But when you mentioned that, um, I realized that the hilltop plan, at least part of it, was uh, nighttime was a requirement. Like when you have, when, when part of your plan is blinding people with car headlights, that doesn't work as well in the day. No, you have to use uh, water cannons. Right. You blind people with water cannons, which yeah. I think are a little trickier to set up and, and, and operate than, uh, than head, really? car headlights. Really? There's fire trucks all over the friggin' place. <laughs> water might be the problem, but. Oh, uh, you put it there. They gotta be, they gotta have a pond somewhere. Maybe. I'm sure. Um, water reservoir. Those trucks, like, you don't have to have the pressurized hydrants, right? The the uh, the water trucks, uh, the fire trucks have their own pumping system, right? They can just dip into a, a pond or a swimming pool or what have you and, uh, you know, blow water onto people. Start blasting people with water. We saw that on the show, remember? They did yeah. use a fire truck. Um, I'm uh, surprised there are more fire trucks in our, uh, in our story. Well. I'd have, you know, I'd have more fire trucks. I'd have more pirate ships too, but I, I definitely have more fire trucks. <laughs> okay. Well, they could use fire trucks instead of school buses to block gates and things like that too. Shit. That's an even better idea. And fire trucks have ladders and everybody has walls. Why aren't they using fire trucks to use ladders to get over the walls? They're mobile. They have ladders that go up and down. Stop using Hoses? logic and reason, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I like fire trucks. Yeah. Fire trucks are good. You and your son, I bet. Oh, he loves fire trucks. I bet he, he does. Them. He's got a number of fire trucks. All right. Uh, okay. So um, I don't know if it's in your notes, but I added one extra call here towards the end just before our last email. So uh, we're going to do that now. Make it so. Hi, guys. Um, I love this episode, although there was a lot to nitpick. Um, but three highlights. One. Gerald's face just on the corner of the screen as he's overhearing Simon say you can kill him. Oh, just priceless. Priceless. You could only see half of it, but best bit of acting in the whole episode. Then, the silent zombie falling down the stairs that nobody hears. Miracles. Miracles happen. There's a silent zombie falling down the stairs. And the third, I've got to go back. Who would all go with? Let's get as close together to walk through the gate. What? What? Come on! I'd be the guy at the back saying, no, no, you guys go, I'll wait here. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Other than that, it was back to zombie fest. I, I didn't like the idea of the poison darts, them using it, but it did lead to a great episode with zombies again inside these uh, hilltop. Cheers, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Daniel. I like how enthusiastic he is. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but this episode was a little more uh, zombie heavy and they were a real threat because they were inside Hilltop and no one knew yeah. they were there. And that's great. We haven't seen that that much on the show lately. So maybe the infected weapons is a good thing. Well, this is the thing. Like, this episode is one of those is a funny case for me because I feel like there's lots that I think didn't work otherwise inside a really good episode because the stuff that I did like I really liked and 
the zombie attack on Hilltop was awesome and it was cool and it was scary and like, you know, you were worried about people. But then there was things like guy falling down the stairs, not waking anybody up and, you know, the saviors being idiots and like walking through the gate all in a clump and so on. But I'm, I'm just so up and down on this episode. It's, it's hard to nail it down. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I was on the, the other side of an argument or a discussion that we were having, which was uncomfortable for me last time. So, uh, this is such a topsy turvy episode. Uh, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I liked it and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm just confused. So yeah, but Simon spread out, damn you. (laughs) Simon's awful at uh, leading troops. He really is. That's not his forte. And when Negan, real Negan comes back, he'll Simon. Well, if he's not, face ironed or thrown in the furnace he will have to go back to his secondary yes man role yeah or he's going to join our intrepid uh band of heroes yeah. and uh he'll be a good guy and uh that'll be awesome i would like simon on my team but i don't see it happening come on okay Just because he kills everybody and wants to kill everybody else uh well we that's have a bad thing we have people like that <laughs> So there True. You go. We, yeah. we, that's not that doesn't make you a bad guy. That just makes you on the other side in this particular instance. I mean, it might make you a bad guy, but it doesn't make you a bad guy. Well, it makes you a bad guy. It just doesn't make you a bad guy. Okay, you're right. You got it. You have it right. <laughs> I got it back. I got it backwards. <laughs> Inflection is very important. It really is. Uh, okay, right. Jason, we got one more here, and it's long. So, uh, what do you want to do? Each read a paragraph, or read half and half? Uh, each read a paragraph, and I'm going to read the first paragraph. All right, so in- introduce it, sure. This is an email from Kate on the internet. No. <laughs> There's an I in her name, Katie. Katie, fucking reading is hard today. Oh, okay, Katie on the internet. Chris, I'm glad you're here. Thanks, man. I'm glad I'm here, I'm, too. I'm really glad you're here. And I, I didn't mean that comment about uh, our friendship being more familiar than quality. <laughs> I, I really didn't mean that. Well, I, I, I was going for a laugh. That's fine, and I understand. And the fact is, I may talk to you more than I talk to my own family. That's not true. Not, I mean, not always like in person like this or over Skype like this. But you know, we're messaging back and forth all day, and I'm not doing that with my wife. Yeah, I don't do that with my wife either. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's uh, hope they don't listen. <laughs> this is getting weird. All right, so Katie on the internet writes. I just want to add, well, just wanted to add my two cents on the rules of the Walking Dead universe when it comes to contracting a fatal for somebody else case of zombitis, zombieitis. I like zombieitis. Zombieitis. In our reality, uh, it's not always given that exposure to a virus will result in contracting that disease. If it were, then everyone who walked through a public space would contract influenza. We were exposed to, we are exposed to millions of pathogens, microbes, and virus particles every time we leave our homes, having only been exposed to a few thousands, thousand germs in our homes, but few, if any people, uh, if any, provide a significant challenge to our immune system or make us sick. I also question how long guts and goo remain hot, as incapable of infecting someone. Negan's bucket of slime seemed more reliable as a biohazard than dipping an arrow slash blade and then allowing it to fry, fly, fry, <laughs> while, you're, uh, while you drive onto the target. So, is the Walking Dead virus akin to rabies in which anyone who's bitten will automatically contract that disease and manifest symptoms in a short period of time? Or is it more like HIV slash AIDS in which exposure may or may not produce 
any one of a number of immune responses over days, weeks, months, or even years. Yes, the CDC doctor way back when did whisper to Rick that everyone had the virus, but how much did he actually know since he himself admitted that his wife was uh, the more gifted researcher? Yeah, enough to blow himself up when he got the chance. In the Walking Dead universe, the brightest and the best were just beginning to identify the mechanics uh, of a never-before-seen virus before almost all technology and communication was shut down by the population collapse. I'm not sure that a sheriff's deputy, farmer's daughter, outlaw biker, or a former homemaker are going to come up with an empirical timetable on which uh, on when the exposure results in turning, even with uh, the able assistance of a second-year resident. I'm really not holding out hope for a room full of AMC writers. Along with you, if they get a moment between scavenging and skirmishes, I'd like to see the characters discuss what they know about how or when people turn. Remember the governor's poindexter and his experiments with the elderly volunteer? That seems like something a group would do once their shelter and food supply were secure. On one hand, it would come up with a, a framework for the viewer, but on the other, it would just be a guess, but a guess which would, quote-unquote, officially end all the fun speculating. It's funny, to me anyway, that people are totally accepting of reanimated corpses as a premise, but happily pick apart the integrity of gasoline, which should have uh, degraded or even been exhausted, no pun intended, after several years. Weapons effectiveness or what someone would or wouldn't do when confronted with a situation. I guess that's the remaining magic left in The Walking Dead, choosing which rules are going to apply and then debating the evidence. My hiccup... Uh, from this last episode was having just concluded a firefight without any reconnaissance to determine how many hostiles could possibly be hiding in the darkness. There wasn't on the screen anyway, any head count or posting of sentries, uh, even without ZT Tobin, uh, Walker, all it would take was one fatal injured survivor, a savior in the weeds to turn, uh, to turn and the hilltoppers are all caught sleeping. Maybe that would have been more believable. All right, so that is a long email from Katie on the internet. I'm not so sure the uh, alternating paragraphs thing works that well. <laughs> no, it was confusing for me because I'm used to, after somebody talks, we talk right. about what was talked about. So, But, you know, we got to try new things once in a while. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Katie had a lot to say. I thought I'd sort of give her the final word on everything here. Um, and uh, she touched on a few different points that we, we've we sort of covered on this uh, feedback show. Um you know, it's it's questionable about whether the um, the zombie guts would infect people and, again, how quickly and, and how deep the wound is and so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, I think that she agrees with us that it might be beneficial to to see the characters kind of once in a while, not very often, but doing the sorts of things that you might do once you're living situation is taken care of. And uh, I don't know if there's anyone around who can actually do any tests or whatever, but uh, uh, when she refers to Governor's Poindexter, she's talking about Milton. Remember Milton? I remember Milton. Yeah. Uh, He was, he was doing some tests uh, in Woodbury because things were in Woodbury going pretty well. They had shelter, they had food. The governor had enough free time to shoot golf balls off the wall for crying out loud. So yeah, luckily they had a, you know, Milton was, was he a scientician? He was a scientician, I believe. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> luckily they had one. Uh, I don't know if we have any. Maybe Simon's a scientist of some kind Well, in his previous life. 
Maybe, maybe. I have no idea. Exobiologist <laughs> consultant. <laughs> I can see it. Why not? Yeah. Space aliens. That's exobiology is, uh, you know, the, the consulting on uh, the possible biology of space aliens, which fits perfectly in the zombie apocalypse because that's where the virus comes from. We all know that, that it comes from space. Comes from space. Yeah, of course. Where else would it come from? Um, well, I mean, that's even in the, you know, the Night of the Living Dead. I think they, they mentioned it was uh, crash landing. Something or other. It comes from space, I'm telling you. Okay, fair enough. I'm sure it does. I'm not just making this shit up. I'm remembering half things in movies and <laughs> Like <stuff>. usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, her, her last point about just, uh, you know, they they didn't seem very careful about once the fight was over. Well, they don't really know that all the saviors were gone. They could be someone hiding out in the bushes somewhere, so... And in fact, that happened, right? With uh, that very, well, I forget his name, but that uh, that amazingly good-looking fella that uh, stuck around. Al, yeah, Alden. He was, uh, he stuck around along with others, but I feel like they knew they were there. But at the same time, they were enemies like five minutes ago. So yeah, you got to keep an eye on them at least. And I have to assume they did because it would make no sense if they were just like, yeah, come on, join the orgy in the house. Just lie down with everybody else. What could yeah. possibly go wrong? We got the hap- crappiest orgy going on here. It's been going on for hours. Come on, have a nap. Come on. Yeah. The hap, the happiest and crappiest orgy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in this week. It has made me feel better. I am way more on board slash okay with the uh, infected the idea of infected weapons now and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to do my best to let it go until the next time the show does something that at first drives me crazy but then listeners can talk me off the ledge. Right. Just like the idea of uh, space billboards. Uh, nope. At you know, general level, you, what do you think of space billboards? Putting billboards in space so you can see the McDonald's logo or the Starbucks logo uh, and when you look up at the night sky. I think that's a terrible idea. Okay. At first, but you know what? Uh, what happened when uh, that Elon Musk guy uh, put that rocket into space, and then he had his uh, his Tesla up there? I the, oh, did you hate that? I that was a space billboard. I kind of did. You kind of did. Yeah. Still. Yeah, I do because I think that's um that's an awful lot of resources and money to put a car with a mannequin in it in space. Well, that wasn't the point. The point was to test the rocket and to get a you know, an actual payload in the space. And then his thought was, why don't we make this, you know, beneficial to my brand? Why don't we make this a marketing stunt? And fuck that. Come on. But it's not as hated as putting up a McDonald's billboard in space that you can look up at the night sky and see, right? But it is a slippery slope. And eventually it's not going to seem such a bad idea when it does happen because you better believe it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. McDonald's is going to partner up with him and throw the arches up there. Fuck. Yeah. Maybe rename the moon to the McDonald's moon. Can you, uh, you can't buy naming rights on the moon, can you? Well, not yet. I mean, who do you buy them from? You buy them from the moon, because the moon's going to be its own uh, nation at some point, and they will offer naming rights. Oh, well, hey, if there's people living on the moon, then fine. They can sell the naming rights. I'm okay with that. And then put up a big billboard that you can see on the moon. (laughs) Can you imagine? You'd have to carve the logo into the side of the moon somehow with a ah, laser. Just a big sheet of mylar would do it. I feel like that would be too big and it would alter the <laughs> rotation of the moon around the, it would be like no a sail. No way. The moon is huge, man. You're not going to be able to do that with mylar. Anyway. <laughs> this, this is insane. So let's move on. And, and by move on, <laughs> I mean more or less end of the show because we are done. 
Um, we do have a couple of emails I threw in, in, in after hours this week. So I do want to get to those, but they are, uh, not really walking dead related. One of them is star Wars related and one of them is hurting yourself related. So, uh, we'll get to those in a second, but, uh, for now let's call it a podcast, Mr. Miles. Okay. Done. Next episode of the walking dead, which airs on Monday is called still gotta mean something. So if you'd like to do a title read for that, uh, please do and send it in. I actually have a few already. Uh, so, but if you want to get your voice on the podcast, record yourself reading that title, still got to mean something and send it in to me. Now, speaking of the next episode of The Walking Dead and more specifically the next episode of this podcast, um, we are kind of screwed because yeah. of some traveling schedules for you and for me we're both going to be out of town. We are not going to be in a situation to record normally on Monday night. So what does that mean? It means that our recap show for the next episode of the pot of the show will not be coming out on Monday night. I apologize at this point. I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but it's going to be later in the week. So I'm just letting everyone know we're going to do our best to get something out, you know, as fast as we can, but, you know, Jason's traveling for work. I am away with the family and it's just not going to work out. So don't look for the podcast on Monday, uh, but better now this week than like for the season finale. I wouldn't want to miss yeah. that one. I mean, we tried to figure out a time. We talked about staying up till two o'clock in the morning, but then there's also the situation of being remote and, uh, you know, finding a decent place to record that wasn't, uh, that was reliable. And yeah, it's just, it was so many things that just didn't work out like we normally we try when you're traveling or i'm traveling to record yeah and but uh, this time we just couldn't make it work we've done it plenty of times you know like usually one of us is at home in the normal situation and somebody else is on the road and we can make that work uh this time it's just the way it's worked out we're both away and unfortunately i'm not really in a, a location where i can get in front of a microphone at that time so it's yeah so Sorry, everyone. We will definitely have a podcast for the next episode of The Walking Dead. We certainly won't miss it. We've never missed an episode like that, a, a recap episode. We don't intend to now, but it's just going to come at a weird time next week. And if you want to keep track of things, I mean, maybe check out our Facebook page because I will likely update everyone over there. And if you want to do that, that's uh, facebook.com slash the talking dead. Um, but... Please know we will get an episode out and it's a weirdo week. And hopefully after that, for the final two episodes of the season, we will be back to the regular schedule. Yeah. We just got to get through this week and then everything's going to be smooth sailing after that. Remember <laughs> right. what I said about that kind of thinking? Well, yes, I do. But <laughs> uh, look, man, we've been pretty consistent for eight years and we'll be back to another eight years of consistency, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, next episode called Still Gotta Mean Something do those title reads because whenever we get around to it, I will include them. Um, and, uh, we'd love to get them. So there you go. Otherwise you can get in touch with us by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Find us on Twitter at talking dead or Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead and send any emails, comments or questions or thoughts or theories to talking at gmail.com. So stay tuned for a quick after hours, everybody. Uh, but other than that, we will see you next time. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. 
Ah, hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please, sit down. Help yourself to a drink. And welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours. Welcome to the After Hours segment, everyone. That was our new After Hours bumper bit, which was sent in to us by longtime listener Glenn in sunny England. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Glenn. It's amazing. I love it. I'm going to play that before every After Hours segment we do. Damn right. That was awesome. Really, really good. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Glenn, of course, is the guy who did the Joker last season for the Record Your Favorite Scene contest and won it. So uh, good for him. And Great job on the bumper. Yeah. All right. Two quick emails here. The first one from Matt in Chesapeake, Virginia. And I included these because they're not really related to The Walking Dead, but they are related to something we did bring up on the podcast or something that comes up continually on the podcast. Uh, Matt's is about uh, Han Solo, and he writes, I'm sure I won't be the only one to chime in, but I just watched the Return of the Jedi scene again, and a commenter made a perfect observation. To summarize, Leia got hit in the left shoulder and falls back. When Han puts her hands on uh, her shoulders, he burns his right hand since her shoulder is still smoldering. He reacts and adjusts his grip to continue pushing her out of harm's way and lands on her Leia lump. Whoops! I'm calling (laughs) no foul play here, although he probably shot first during that take. (laughs) He probably uh, shot first, get it? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) know what I mean know what I mean yeah Uh, so and 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 I agree with this I don't think there was any uh, ill intent there I think he was just trying to help her and get out of harm's way and you know he just got his hands in the wrong place at the wrong time I've okay so yes I can see that Uh, I've never been personally in a situation where I've accidentally grabbed somebody's boob like you've like no no, but you've never come into contact one by with one by accident. Oh, I've been breasted before. Oh, of but course. I'm not. It's not my intention. I'm not sure about her intention at the time. Sure. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know, I've I. It's been a while since I've accidentally come in contact with uh, boobs. Urban Dictionary. Uh, breasted. You're looking up breasted. That's I mean, I know what you mean. I just want to see the official, uh, <laughs> the official <laughs> definition. Breasted to accidentally or purposely rub your breast against someone else. Exactly. That's about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good for him that he didn't do it on purpose, but he did get a boob grab out of the deal. He sure certainly did. Now I've accidentally grabbed somebody's ass. <laughs> is that <laughs> is that called being asked? <laughs> I, I'm not really sure, but uh, you know, you run into somebody at the uh, at the home show that you haven't seen in a long time, and it's like, hey, I'm going to be, I can't believe I ran into you, you know, an old friend's wife, and then you give her a great great big hug, and you realize that your hands on her ass, and you're like, shit, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, <laughs> completely out of my control. You just realize that suddenly your hand is is right there. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was awkward. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Okay. It was It was completely unintentional, and I apologize. All right. I apologize well, then, and I apologize now. And he's going to apologize in the future. Yeah. Uh, another so, email. So, yeah, Han, Han uh, probably shot first. He probably did. Okay. Wink, wink. No foul, uh, but still happened. Still happened, exactly. All right. Uh, next, 
You want me to read it? Yeah, why don't you read it? Sure. All right. So we have uh, an email from Wayne in Petaluma, California. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Listening to you guys talking about stepping on nails or falling on your nose reminded me of something that happened to me when I was three or four. I am 60 now, so some of the details might be a little fuzzy as some of this was told to me when I was older. My father kept his razor-sharp hunting knives in a high cabinet above the chest freezer in his workshop. Apparently, I climbed on top of the freezer and got into the cabinet and took out one of the knives. The next part is the only part that I can actually remember. When I pulled the knife out of its sheath, I drew it across the bottom of my thumb. All I remember is pulling the knife out and the blood pouring out of my hand. I don't even remember any pain. According to my mother, when I walked into the house my, with my hand held against my little chest, my mother thought I was stabbed, that I had stabbed myself in the chest. To her credit, she did not panic and took me to the emergency room where they stitched me up. I was left with only a small scar from the stitches on my left thumb. Kids do the damnedest things. Do they ever? And this comes up because I told my story about hooking my nose on a fence, which yep. I've always thought is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I, I uh, don't remember it at all, so that's okay. And you stepped on a nail, and Wayne stabbed himself. Well, he didn't stab himself. He cut his thumb with a knife, uh, yeah. which sounds pretty bad. So Very sharp knives don't cause pain, a lot of pain. Like the clean severing of nerves and such, it actually is quite uh, quite painless. Yeah, well, I f- and it makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good thing they were sharp. If they were dull knives, it would have hurt like a son of a bitch. Oh, because it tears but, uh, instead of slices, right? That's right. So a nice clean slice is, uh, is quite painless. Okay. Well, thank you, Wayne, for sharing. And uh, I wonder if we're going to get a lot of emails now from people who want to share like the worst accidents that's that have happened to them or the worst injuries or something like that. Uh, part of me hopes so. And part of me hopes not. So I don't want, I don't want to know. I don't, I'm not a big fan of, uh, real pain uh-huh. stories. And, and, and cause that shit gets in my head and just like the fact that a toddler, uh, when he was three or four gets into a, a knife cabinet and is able to cut himself to the point where he needs stitches kind of freaks me out a little bit mm-hmm. and it's going to freak me out a little bit. So, uh, if we do get more of these, don't tell me about it. All right. I won't tell you about it. Uh, but we got this one and now we sure it's, did. Now it's, I don't have any sharp knives and they're not stored anywhere because I don't have any. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. I have dull knives. <laughs> and they're just lying around everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They're just, I just leave them on the floor. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's it. Short and sweet. I've got a plane to catch, and uh, you have a work day to get back to. I have a work to do. Yes, you do. Okay, thanks, everyone. We will see you next time. Bye.